0: I remember a lot now very clear that I thought, okay, if it cost me that much stretch, I, I don't even want to win. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> that is an act. <laughs> I practiced that in front of the mirror.
1: <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to All Strings Considered. I'm your host, Scott Wolf.
0: All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Guitar Salon International, the world's largest selection of fine classical and flamenco guitars and accessories.
1: Vladimir Gorbach has won guitar competitions all over the world, and in 2011, he won the Guitar Foundation of America competition, which also includes an international concert tour. Uh, Vladimir, right now, is about halfway through that tour and uh, he might be coming to a city that's pretty close to you pretty soon. His performing is something you probably don't want to miss, so I thought I would introduce you to him and some of his recordings via the podcast. I also want to correct an egregious error from the last episode. I think at some point I mentioned enjoying some sort of sunny L.A. winter. Well, let me correct that. It is a wet, gray, and cold L.A. winter. And Vladimir is probably on the phone, someplace presumably nicer, drier, and warmer.
0: Kaloskan, uh, fine, pretty good. How are you? Uh, well, it's just uh, visiting a couple of high schools and then giving like a short lecture and playing as well. And it's fun. I like doing that.
1: Most players take an entire year to prepare for the GFA competition. And so, I asked Vladimir how he went about training for what is essentially the Olympics of the classical guitar world.
0: Um, well, of course, as it is a very, very important competition, and I think one of the biggest one needs to take very seriously. And it is, it was a real motivation to really organize my time really in advance. So I thought about it several months before that and I already knew how... How I'm gonna structure my preparation time made me also, in a way, more disciplined, more organized, and which probably took me to next level. I think just trying to think more uh, about the efficiency of time. So really thinking before or after practice about the goals, the clearer goals, because we all tend to just take the guitar and just play and have some hours done. So it made me analyze the difficulty of each piece and the amount of time I need to invest. So lots of kind of management <laughs> on
1: practice. So for those of you with that dream of one day winning a competition like the GFA, good preparation and practice isn't always about technique. It's not about the scales, the arpeggios, slurs, tremolo. Nope. Over and over again, what I keep hearing from all these wonderful players is what Vladimir just said. It's about good planning and good time management. But don't take it from me. Take it from Vladimir Gorbach. And maybe even from Scott Tennant again. Then I'd I'd practice, so maybe from 9 o'clock on, I'd start practicing. Well, I wasn't
2: getting anything done, so I went to Pepe Romero. What am I doing wrong? He said, well, he said it sounds like you're just playing your guitar for several hours every night. And he goes, well, do something about that. You have to be focused. You have to know what you're doing. Do you know what you're doing? I said, no. I'm just playing everything I know and ho- you know, hoping them get better and a lot of us practice like that too we play and we play and we play and we play until we make a mistake and then we go aha I knew I'd make a mistake see I suck he is the first person that suggested I make it like a work day, that I have a plan I started a certain hour I ended a certain hour put the guitar in the case and and then and then that's it go home from the office.
1: How much were you practicing a day, if I can ask?
0: It was not a crazy amount of hours, but I think I tried to have like four, five hours a day, yeah.
1: And then did you take breaks? Did you take the weekend off? I think I tried
0: to play on the weekends too, like pretty much. Yeah. Every single day, yes.
1: That's rough. <laughs> Once in a while, you just need a break. I
0: took I took a nice break after the competition.
1: And then the concert tour starts, right?
0: I actually, it started just a month ago, so it's, it was a big gap between kind of one event, but it covers part of life second year already, and, and it's still it's still valid. Actually, the evidence of how big the event is, so it's, it's really big, yeah.
1: So I think I've got this straight. In order to properly prepare for the GFA, you need from six months to a year to prepare. Then if you win, you right away record your Naxos Label CD, and then get that all edited and distributed, and then spend another year and a half or so touring with that program. You better like the music you chose. That's three years of the same repertoire and a serious time commitment. On the other hand, your career as a performer has basically had a really great push in the right direction. The first piece we'll hear today is Sonata K27 by Domenico Scarlatti and it was originally written for harpsichord. It's been arranged for the guitar by Elliot Fisk and it's on both Vladimir Gorbach's CD and on the program that he is currently touring. Sometimes it seems like for competition, you would kind of run things into the ground. I really don't like competitions, but yeah, it's also part of the work. Why don't you like competitions? Well, to be judged. So you, you kind of have to
0: choose the way to please the jury, which is many people. So you're not allowed to offend anyone if you have this or that idea. So you kind of need to be somewhere average, but high standard, high level average.
1: There you go. That is the worst thing about competitions. High standard, high level average. You can't be too original and you can't be too risky.
0: So you don't really know what you end up with. I mean, the good thing about it is that it makes you a stronger player because you're stress resistant or trying to be, and then you try to be as secure as possible. So you develop in this direction. And then the competition itself is just kind of, yeah. Hell. <laughs> <Yes>. Hell. <laughs> Hell. <laughs> I mean I even I think I think I was so stressed before the finals. I mean I was so excited to get into the finals, but then I remember now very clear that I thought, okay, if it costs me that much stress, I, I don't even want to win.
1: <laughs> like I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> You're like this is taking years yeah. of my life.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is retiring me too soon. Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now that the big one's out of the way is your rep changing or your interpretations are they changing
0: well i i do feel that i'm freer and i'm the point proved so i kind of have that freedom i still try to improve my taste and of course to be updated and to find sources of inspiration but nobody is kind of limiting me in a way
1: do you feel like you're taking more risks in that case Both musical and technical, I think, yeah. Less worried about making one silly mistake that shouldn't matter. It became less of a fear to
0: make one, so. Of course, there are limits.
1: (laughs) The next set of pieces I'm going to play you are selections from The Collectici Intim by Vicente Asensio. The title means intimate collection and is a set of five pieces, each based on a different emotional state. Asensio is a Valencian composer whose life overlaps both the Spanish avant-garde and neo-romantic movements. I also think his harmonic language sounds very much like the newest school of flamenco guitarists as well. Valencia is the home of the famous Spanish dish paella, which is awesome as well as is home to two languages, Castilian-Spanish and the Valencian variant of Catalan. Ascensio gave each movement of this suite a Catalan name, and each invokes a different emotion. The first, la serenor, or serenity. The second is la joya, or joy. The third is la calma, calm. The fourth, la gawanza, delight. And the last is la frisanza, haste. So we are going to hear the middle three, joy, calm, and la galvanza, delight. Thank mm-hmm. you.
0: Not playing guitar, uh, well, I love reading and listening to the music, and actually all kinds of music. I wouldn't define, like, I like classical, or I like hip hop, I, I think I just like anything that sounds good. <laughs> there is intellectual music and there is emotional music, which is not that intellectual, but it just as precious.
1: Me. I really like how it really looks like you're very much into the music when you're playing. A lot of guys tend to be like a statue, but you are definitely not like that. Ah, uh, that's just an act. <laughs> I practice that in front of the mirror. So. <laughs> no, I don't.
0: <laughs> Needs to be more, uh, more to the left. Yes, now I'm fine.
1: I hope you recognize the piece I'm just playing now uh, because it's from the last episode of All Strings Considered, featuring a far cry. The piece is titled Primavera from Piazzolla's Four Seasons, arranged for bandoneon, guitar, and chamber orchestra. Today I'm actually going to play you the same piece, but rearranged to fit on the six strings of the solo guitar by Sergio Assad. But the way Vladimir plays it, it certainly doesn't lose much in translation.
0: I used to like play a lot and I, and I still do a lot too. In fact, I played some of his arrangements, but easier pieces and it was less sophisticated. But I loved playing that and then when I saw this edition, first I went to Primavera and it appeared to be, I thought it was too difficult. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes, so it took me a while as well, and then I decided finally, okay, I I, I have to do it, and the, the whole set of pieces made by Sergio is just fantastic. Yeah, well, not maybe because uh, it was probably the one of the first Pitot pieces that I played.
1: So before we hear Vladimir Gorbach play a couple movements of Piazzolla's Four Seasons, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about Piazzolla. He was born in Argentina in 1921 and moved to New York with his family a few years later. He was famous very early as a child prodigy on the bandonion. A bandonion is kind of similar to an accordion, only it has buttons rather than keys like a piano and uh, it's famous for being really difficult to play. As Piazzolla progressed with that instrument in a search for a more diverse palette from which to draw inspiration, Piazzolla began studying classical composition with Alberto Ginastera, one of Argentina's most famous classical composers, and then studied with the famous teacher Nadia Boulanger in Paris. Uh, The story is she wasn't all that impressed with his compositions in the classical style, but then later heard him playing tango in the streets and urged him to compose in that style, because that was where his true gifts were. He's remembered for bringing Argentine tango into a new age by adding classical and jazz elements into the Argentine tango. Uh, And if you haven't heard him actually do it, go check it out. If you want an album recommendation, I highly suggest checking out Piazzolla N-Suite. Piazzolla's four seasons are a little bit reminiscent of Vivaldi's four seasons, each movement being dedicated to a different season. You probably know springtime from Vivaldi's four seasons, also called Primavera, And Piazzolla's version from Piazzolla En suite Before I leave you with two movements of Piazzolla's Estaciones Porteñas, arranged for solo guitar by Sergio Assad, I want to say thanks for listening to All Strings Considered. I'm your host, Scott Wolfe.
0: All Strings Considered is brought to you in part by Guitar Salon International, the world's largest selection of fine classical and flamenco guitars and accessories.
1: If you like the show, you can follow on Twitter at All Strings, and please do help out the show by liking it on Facebook and rating it with five stars on iTunes. And with that, I'm going to leave you with two movements of Piazzolla's Four Seasons, played by Vladimir Gorbach. By the way, you can actually see him play Primavera on his website, Vladimir G-O-R-B-A-C-H dot com. And uh, go see him live in concert in the new year. He'll be in Oregon, Arizona and Texas in January, California, Florida, Minnesota and New York in February, and a few more in March and April. So here's winter because it is, and spring because it's what I'm looking forward to. Thanks, and Happy New Year.
0: Nice talking to you, Scott. Thanks for calling, and yeah, bye-bye.